everyone. This is episode 5 of the Fragments podcast, where we talk with participants of the Fragments project about short drama pieces and poetry, which they worked on for several weeks. Today we talk about Tabo's piece called Margins of Innocence. I can't wait to hear the poem and have a conversation about it, because there are so many things to discuss. But before we start, as usual, I would like to ask everyone to introduce themselves. Um, my name is Tabo. Uh, I'm a human rights activist. I'm a, a refugee. I am also uh, one of the trustees of Reading Refugee Support Group. I'm also um, involved in the um, in poetry and creative writing. I'm also a member of the um, Voices Network, which is an organization that tries to advocate for the rights of asylum seekers and others who are undocumented in the UK. Some of the things that we have been championing is lifting the ban on asylum seekers not being allowed to, to work and trying to get better living standards for those who are in the asylum system. It is a um, pretty uh, tough system to go um, through at the moment in the UK. And yeah, that's it. My name is Elizabeth. I'm an asylum seeker who moved to the UK in 2019. But Aside from that, I'm a human rights enthusiast, I'm a travel junkie, a poet, part-time writer, and um, I also love theatre, and I'm a foodie. Hi, uh, my name is Oliver Mbakele. I'm also a refugee asylum seeker. What I do, um, I, I do podcasts um, in regards to male voice, so um, men have a point of a view of things that they may not talk about or things that are not comfortable. So we talk about that in our podcast, a range of other topics. As well as that, I also do music. So I, I write songs and I'm just starting to sing myself and do a bit of rap, but I've been, I've always had the passion for it. Also creative writing, uh, creative art as well, has always been a passion from childhood. Uh, I've got qualifications for it as well, but lately it's um, my acting and drama right now, um, as as an asylum seeker, not much we can do but focus on what's in the future for us with the opportunities that we have or the little opportunities that we have. But other than that, yeah, my passion is just creating art, music and drama and writing songs, writing uh, plays and etc. Um, that's me in a nutshell, really. Thank you. Tabo, can you tell us a little bit about your piece? Why is it called Margins of Innocence? Um, margins, the reason why it's called Margins is because it touches on a project that we had whilst I was at Olive. Um, Olive is a project where asylum seekers were able to use some of their skills or, you know, soft skills to be able to get re-education or to be introduced to higher education. That was done um, through the University of East London and a lot of people benefited from it. Uh, basically, the piece is... I first wrote it quite some time ago, and um, it's not an easy. It was not an easy piece to write because it details some pretty touchy subjects that a lot of asylum seekers and refugees um, have gone through. One of them is the inability to get help from the healthcare system when one needs it most, and it also touches on the um, the isolation that is created. Um, by the hostile environment. The whole world has now come to experience through lockdowns what isolation, yet 
without being in prison is like. And I hope that the whole world will be able to appreciate what it means or what asylum seekers mean when they say, although we are walking the streets, we feel like we are in mental enslavement and we are experiencing extremely harsh environment, um, which is the hostile environment. It was done on purpose. It was not done by mistake. Um, so this is just touching on on elements of, of that and um, similarities between what used to happen in the apartheid era in South Africa and in Zimbabwe and what is happening now. Thank you. Elizabeth and Oli, what did you feel reading this piece the very first time? Well, the piece was powerful. There are very many aspects I relate to. Personally, I haven't been to any detention, I haven't uh, gone to any reporting centers, but I've heard stories and they're horrible. So I wouldn't want anybody to go through that, even if they were my enemy. Yeah, I feel um, as though the, the piece was very self-explanatory and very powerful. Um, I've experienced most of them, but I haven't experienced the fact of being in detention, which I've, I've, I've seen people that's been in detention and what they've gone through. It meant so much, even when Tabo was saying like, it's, thing, it's done, these acts of this, not disowning, like neglect is done deliberately. It's not something that's um, not intentionally not aware of, like especially the government and not the society of, are not aware of it, but the government are very much aware of it. And it's being done deliberately to, to have us on our toe a little bit mentally, because it's a mental imprisonment. People people that, that are not in our, in our position will never understand it. And yes, it was a big message as well that at Tabo said that it gives people a sight of being isolated. And this is not even prison, but being isolated outside of prison and how it feels and how your word doesn't matter in a way, you know what I mean? So people have managed to see it. And that piece also illustrates it in a bigger picture where we stand. And I, I know, I really feel deeply that it's going to reach out to people and it's going to be something that's going to be spoken about, hopefully to change the law or to change the way the, uh, the government treats people like us. So yeah, that rang a lot of bells to me when, when Tabo was reading it. But yeah, it brought memories from young age, um, coming up into this country and growing up in this country. I feel like it's going to, it's going to have a big impact personally. Only to the ones that are not ignorant is another thing as well, because some people just look at it as like, they're not in that position, so why should they care? But those who care, who are citizens of the UK, are not in a position that um, I feel that it have an impact for them. And they also would have a view and a, a say, hopefully, to the government, to why we're living in this type of hostile environment silently without people knowing. And it's destroying us mentally. It's not something we can show physically. The government judges us physically with our behaviours and characteristics. To even show behaviours like that is very impossible. So the only thing we've got left is our voice. And for that to be heard, and hopefully, yes, yeah, it's just get, it gets spoken about for uh, for a while till something happens. I feel like yeah, it's a good thing that we're doing, and that's a good piece that Tabo has actually written, and it puts everything all together with Elizabeth's story, my story, and Caleb's story, and anybody else that's in the same position. So I'm happy. I'm actually touched with that as well. If this doesn't touch somebody, then they're they're being ignorant, basically. Tabo, did you want to add something? I've got a question to ask everybody. What would you think if this had been written? The late Prince Philip might, might have said about this. 
about this piece, considering that he called himself a refugee because he, he was a refugee when he came here. What do you think if we, let's say somebody comes to me and says, um, oh, you're just a refugee or you're just an asylum seeker. Why don't you go back home? What do you think would happen if I was to say to them, why don't you go and tell that to the royal family? Because they are all children of a refugee, pretty much. To be honest, I personally think he won't really, he won't really care much. As much as him being a refugee, he's in a higher, he's in a higher position than anybody. With that saying, I feel like he would have been another person that was just ignorant to it. He's just being like, they're just another number. Not, and not reflecting that he's being hypocritical to himself as well, which I feel like he wouldn't care. Yeah, he was a refugee, but also he he was a racist. I hope he's not the one who was inquiring about Megan's baby skin color, really. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. <laughs> they are children of a refugee, isn't it? <laughs> so maybe they should treat us differently. <laughs> Yeah, I think the question of class is very important in this conversation, of course. People often think about refugees as one unified group of people with similar experiences, when in reality, everyone has their own story and comes from completely different backgrounds and exists in very different circumstances. Well, some refugees happen to be a part of the royal family, but I guess they just deprive themselves from exciting normal people's life and I feel very sorry for them. Okay, coming back to the piece, Tabo, you have a line where you talk about people being imprisoned in their minds. What do you mean by this? You see, when one is in isolation, people who've been in prison or who have been in solitary confinement or who have been unable to work and just staying at home or staying within a room and then not having money, not you know being able to do much, and then the days just tick on by. You can do it for like one week, two weeks, three weeks. By the time you get to the fourth week, it'll drive you up the walls, literally. You know, it'll really, it starts hurting. You end up developing coping mechanisms, so to speak. And I've got another a number of coping mechanisms that I use. A lot of people have not been able to get to know about and get to ask me about simply because they've not been around me and they've not bothered to go and ask people who are ex-prisoners what their coping mechanism is. And especially those who've been in, um, um, in solitary confinement. Uh, that's why I'm like imprisoned in the mind, eh? You know, like, are you serious when you say that lockdown is tough for you? You've been put in lockdown for like three months, you know, two months. Well, some people who've been in the asylum system have been in the asylum system for 18 years, 20 years, you know, um, and they are really imprisoned in the mind, uh, not being able to go to work, not being able to go to school, not being able to plan for a future for their lives. That means that their life, you know, chances and their ability to to see and, and dream, it is completely curtailed. And some people, it's happening from when they are in their 20s all the way till they're in their 40s. 40s is middle-aged. That's the year, that's that's the age many people become presidents all over the world. That's not the age somebody's supposed to be starting their first job. Yet that's exactly what the hostile environment is doing to many people. 
um, some people might have entered, you know, um, the asylum system when they were, I don't know, maybe in their 30s, and then they only end up coming out of it when they're in their 50s. That means if they are women, they've gone past puberty. So that's where imprisoned in the mind, eh? You know? So you think that you are imprisoned in the home. Yeah, you can go to the shops, you can buy things online, you can uh, go to work from home, you've got internet. People who are in the asylum system, many of them didn't have internet. They were not allowed to have the food that they wanted. The food that they was given to them was basically making them ill. And this didn't start in the middle of the pandemic. This started before the pandemic. So that's where that little paragraph comes from. Thank you, Tabo. Well, talking about the pandemic, uh, I have a question. Do you think refugees and asylum seekers experienced lockdown differently than any other people? <laughs> um, for someone who's got documents to stay and, and, and have rights to do things and live, more or less, I don't have rights to live. I can't live. But someone who has got documents, they're able to live. Because that's what I've been deprived of, living. Because right now, I'm not able to work. I'm not able to claim benefits. Yes, I'm being housed. To even get clothes, to clothe myself, it's like it's like knocking on a, on a brick wall where you're not going to get, you're going to hear sounds, but you're not going to hear nothing. You're not going to get responded. You know? so, and living on such a, uh, uh, I wouldn't even call it a budget, living on crumbs. You know what I mean? What we live on is on crumbs because it just about gets us food. But nothing, I'll look at it as we are nothing compared to someone who has got status. So we're basically um, unidentified until the home of us makes us identified. Because it don't make sense to me that you can have me, you can have me under your roof for however long and you're paying these bills, but yet you won't allow me to do it myself. And I feel if the society was to hear that, it will make a big impact because it's like you're wasting tax man, tax people's money on nothing and you're making us wait not one year, two years, three years, up to about five, six, ten years. So, yeah, there's a, uh, there's a, a, a big difference, <laughs> massive difference. It's like having a, a full cup and an empty cup. What would you go for? I'll go for the full cup because it would cringe my first. You know what I mean? Where an empty cup, you look at it, it's like you're worthless to me. You're just a glass. You need to be filled up with water, but who's going to fill that up? That's how I feel. So, yeah, we are an empty glass, dried, you know what I mean? ready to get cracked mentally. Because physically, you see us still being normal. We still, we still look clean, but in the inside, it's damaging. You know what I mean? So that's my opinion to the difference of having status and not having. The thing is that we've actually been non-existent. Yeah. Oli was saying that uh, we've not been recognizable, something like that, but we don't even exist to these people. They don't care. The system is actually meant to break us and not, and not to to grow it so you're just there the pandemic is here and those who who are documented and have their papers some of them were being paid at home and you there's nothing for you look at the vaccine first of all they, st they started with people the aged people and then the frontline workers where's a bit for the asylum seekers i mean are we prone to the virus there's nothing at all so i mean the whole situation is that for to to them we don't even exist 
and 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 that is a that's the very big difference i mean okay fine they're housing you they're giving you crumbs like ollie was saying but is that how it's supposed to be really um you see first of all when it comes to people who have got documented everyone has mentioned about money see asylum seekers some very important some not all will get between 37 pounds uh, 50 a week and 40 pound a week that's it not all of them some of them some will get nothing some asylum seekers will get accommodation some will get nothing now when the lockdown starts then government decides to start homing everyone um and doing all sorts of things you see remember asylum seekers some will still get that 37 pounds 50 and some will get nothing um some will just be given food and in the whole month they'll get 40 pound which means 10 pound a week that's it and some of the food will make them ill it has been making them ill it's been well documented this even when lockdown is eased asylum seekers stay in the same situation whereas everybody else who is documented can go about their way they can go to the shops they can go to the pub they can go um buy themselves a car they can go travel they can go and do whatever they want um within reason whereas the asylum seekers they are back to choosing between eating and traveling between eating and buying medication. Because remember, some people who are GPs, who are um, in, the, in, the, in the health profession, they don't understand that asylum seekers are not able to just buy medications from the counter. They need to get prescriptions. They need to get guided to uh, ways in which they can get free medication. You see? So there's a big chasm of difference between asylum seekers and people who are actually working. And then let's let's go one step further. Asylum seekers will also suffer from not being able to connect using the mobile phone, using the internet, a big chunk of them, for the simple reason that if you are getting £37, 50 to £40 a week, how are you going to be able to buy a laptop? Unless someone goes out, looks for a laptop and gives you a laptop, and then goes out, gets some data, and then put some data on a smartphone for you so you can connect your laptop to get data and then you can go and do Zoom. Touching on the bank accounts part, without a bank account, one can't buy cheap clothes online. One can't buy cheap gadgets online. One can't buy cheap exercise bands for five pounds. You get all the exercise bands you want online. You can't. You have to go to the high street and buy them. Charity shops are closed during heavy lockdown. Where are you going to get your shoes in the middle of winter when your shoes have got holes underneath and you have to walk on snow? Where are you going to get your jacket when the charity shops are locked down? You're going to have to walk to Asda, which is in the middle of nowhere. And it might be a heavily pregnant woman. And we are living in a country that helped basically were chief architects in the drawing up of the European Convention of Human Rights. So there, now, people like me come out and then ask the question, is it because the people that are now asking for human rights, the majority who are black, is it because 
it is mostly them that are asking for human rights, that the government is treating people in this way? Is it because it's them that are mostly coming in on the boats that the government is treating them in this way? What is the reason for this to be happening? So there's a huge difference between what is happening for asylum seekers and what is happening to people who are documented. Thank you everyone for this conversation and for your opinions. Let's talk about sound design. So which sounds or music can we add to it to emphasize the mood of different parts of the poem or add some context? I want I want it to sound like horror. Yeah, I want people to feel like this is scary to be to be living this type of life. That's the sound that I want to hear from this piece. <laughs> there ain't no there, there ain't no fun in it. There is no joy in that piece there. It's hardship, struggle, and pain. And what is that mixed feeling? That sound there is just like it's a sound of fairness. You don't know where you're gonna end up. You know you get that freezing moment when you hear that <laughs> the thriller or the yeah. That's when people get stuck, like. What's gonna happen? What's next? The kind of thing. Because I was even thinking, what's the what's what's the sound for hostility? Maybe someone crying, but not like crying, crying like you know, like um, you know, like when someone has got hay fever, and then continuously like you know, like like that. That really, really deep, 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 painful cry. The one that you can tell that this person's really hurting inside. But it's not the kind of hurt that you, the person will, will wail. It's just really, really, really painful cry that is very quiet. It's only when you, when you see the person that you'll, or when you hear it, that you just cannot mistake it. You just, you just know that, uh, uh this is not a good cry. Um, sounds of home, like, uh, having children probably doing their homework uh, clicks of of paper and pens and pencils and that we've, you've got um maybe sounds of a microwave in the in the kitchen where you're trying to get the dinner ready or probably sounds of uh, a television somebody's watching news or reading a newspaper and then sounds of door slamming the children running in and out and maybe you have a few visitors visiting you as well i don't know maybe the sound of chitter chatter in the background and just you know boys and girls playing obviously whilst they're teenagers just messing around just being just being naughty Maybe we could also have something like um, the sounds of the morning sun, like, uh, you know, as the sun rises, it brings brings in hope, a new beginning. And then we could also have some sounds like of uh, maybe water dripping, like a click, click, or a bum, bum, or clank, clank, something like that. Tabo, what is the sound of detention or reporting center for you? Reporting centers, um, there's always the sound, if I can remember, there's always the sound of, of typing. There's always the sound of something being printed. Um, whenever I went there, there's always the sound of a phone ringing, um, in the reporting centers, but in the detention centers, it could be absolutely anything. This is from various folk that have talked to me about it. Some of them were even crying. 
Um, one of them hated the sound of seagulls, like with a passion, because they would take you from where you were supposed, from where you lived, away to where there were seagulls, where you were far away from everybody, and they wouldn't tell anybody where you were. And uh, they could do anything to you um, in there. Um, some would be moved to Hammondsworth, some would be moved to Gatwick or the one which is here in, in Heathrow. And um, anything could happen um, to them. Sometimes you'd have people streaming. Some people would not be given medication if they requested it. Or they'd not be allowed to see the doctor if they wanted to see the doctor. And um, folk who are mentally unstable or who became mentally unstable because of being in detention were not, you know, given the light of day, pretty much. They were just left there. Um, to the extent that some of them ended up, the guys ended up not washing for months and months and really reeking, but they just wouldn't care because they no longer feel like they were human. So I think the sound of a prison or the sound of an institution with a big clock just ticking, where it's just time going, would be, would be great. Thank you, everyone. It was an amazing conversation. I had a great time. I hope you did too. Let's listen to Tabo's poem, and I hope that your sound ideas were realized exactly the way you meant them to be. Margins of Innocence Born ignorant, free and innocent, started crawling, then walking, feeling attractive, young, brave and sweet, walking barefoot, playing with dirty skin, unsure of the world, hopeful of the world, eager to explore the world. Bright eyes, bushy-tailed, bright sun, no shoes. Dark nights make blindness like a bat. A candle provides a little radiant light. Soil is red. Red is ready. Red hair, light skin. Red hair, dark skin. Red hair on all skins. Just another form of hair, the innocent love, all skins. Teenage years, 
bring beautiful, young, innocent virgins playing, then flirting, flirting, playing, praying, then growing. Talkative lips, rowdy hips, oozing with confidence, yet sincere and restless. You've got the whole world as your oysters. Don't let anyone tell you you can't do something. New beginnings post-puberty. UK beckoned. It was for university. Proud, tall, full of confidence. New millennium. New beginning. New home. New loyalties. Cometh the Tory, cometh the lies. Cometh Cameron, cometh May. Cometh Johnson. Former slave owner, current slave maker, future slave betrayer. Like apartheid, racial, ethnic, tribal, hostility personified. Whilst drinking her tea and cake, Teresa's most undignified. Nasty, horrible, go back home, amplified. Even the UK has become ununified. Look over your right. Look over your left. UK border force, you have no rights when you're in my four walls. UK detention centers, UK reporting centers, train stations, Bus stations are now stopping and searching stations. You have no rights because you're black boy and you don't belong here. The chip, the twitch, the lack of trust. Looking over 
is inevitable. Forever, you're going to be looking over. <laughs> Hopes fade with hostility. Life flashes by with hostility. Less possibilities come with hostility. Nasty, mean, horribleness comes with hostility. Extortion, rape, vulnerableness comes with hostility. Warmth is at home. Safety is at home. Spices and good food are all at home. Lights are at home. Family at home. Contented but isolated at home. Hidden from the world at home facing the whole world at home. Disrespected, loathed, washed out, laid out, not allowed to think by yourself at home. So, what's next? What have you got planned? What will you do with your life? Washing dishes? Sweeping the floor, sleeping on the floor, babysitting, walking to the shops. Mr. Lonely, Johnny No Mates, number Mr. Stigma, imprisoned in your mind, eh? <laughs> imprisoned in the home, eh? Warm, homely, same, busy people. Slight chances came from Olive. New horizons came from Olive. Detention and bail disgusted Olive. Hostile environments, safe spaces at and of Olive. The end.